Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought. That's right, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. The first one is food. The second one is football. Please get your mind out of the gutter, because the third one is actually Father's Day. The third one ah. is Father's Day because we went through Mother's Day and inevitably that's right. Once Mother's Day comes around, you immediately start thinking about Father's Day because, you know, they kind of get clumped together a little bit. And Unfairly, really, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really recognize that Father's Day is a thing. It's almost like Mother's Day is like a reminder that Father's Day is at some point coming. And Mother's Day was just recently. And so now that happens. Like, oh, my gosh. Father's Day's coming up at some point too, right? I should probably not scramble for my Father's Day plans the way That's that right. I did for, for my Mother's, Mother's Day. Day plans. Yep. And just like a mom, even Mother's Day is good about reminding you about That's Father's right. Day. Mr. Geary, how you doing, dude? I am well, Bruce. I'm as well as you can be considering all the stuff, right? I mean, another yes. week, another terrible tragedy, another yeah i don't know it's maybe maybe we'll get to do one of these shows not after something terrible has happened in the world let's hope yes that would be ideal i would prefer that i would as well bruce i would as well a reminder that just go ahead and just hit all of the engagement buttons all of the necessary engagement buttons if you could do that that would be great like subscribe rate review say things to us in the comment section and all that stuff. A reminder that we are super chat live. Any super chats we do get that are $10 or more. Make sure you DM at Nate Geary sports proof of the super chat. And also that you are following at Genesee brewery on Twitter so that he can send you a food for thought Genesee brewery pint glass because this show is sponsored by Genesee brewery since 1878. 
Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Now, as a reminder, we are going to go through some assorted food metaphor topics. The Bills are at OTAs. There That's is right. real, actual football well, being played, depending on who you talk well, to. And yeah. we're going to talk about that, actually. I have a metaphor for that. And then, at about 9.20-ish or so, we are going to have Eric Turner from Cover One on here in the Genesee Brewing Company guest hotline. We're going to have some questions for him. We're going to take a mailbag, and then we're going to go through winners and losers from this week in the NFL. As is tradition. As is tradition. Tradition. And as we move on, we are going to kick off the entire thing with pre-gaming food. Mm. Nate, the reason why I decided on pre-gaming food as a general topic is because that's kind of what OTAs are, right? It's pre-gaming. It's pre-gaming for the year. And so what I wanted was not to necessarily focus on our favorite pre-gaming food, but what food is it that you think really represents Mm. pre-gaming? It really represents the thing before the thing. Now, because I'm old, I recently learned from a young person in my life that any drinking done before the bar is considered to be Mm pre-gaming, regardless of what time at which it may occur. That's right. I did not know this. I do not go to bars. Mm-hmm. I do not go out Diners, and socialize with people. Mm-hmm. So because of this, I am completely out on the pre-gaming concept. Also, I don't use Uber because my mother told me two things very significantly when I was younger. She said, uh, don't get in cars with strangers. And then as I got older, I learned to not meet up with people from the Internet. And Uber is really just meeting up with strangers in cars from the Internet. We are literally That's combining the two things I know best not to do in one thing. Bruce, you know me from the internet. That's the only way that you know me. That's true. That's the only way that I know anybody now. You're not a stranger, though. It's fine. You're not a stranger. Not more, but I was I don't get in the cars of strangers from the internet. Okay. I don't do that. That's fair. So, let's get started with pre-gaming food. Okay. Nate, I will let you get started because you were very excited about what you had. Uh, I'm excited in a way that is very lame little dweeby uh the reason here's here let let me give you first before i tell you the pre-game food let me first set the stage of why i'm choosing the food the ideology the thought process behind it so pre-gaming and in particular whether you're drinking pre-gaming or you're pre-gaming some sort of meal before you go into a game and then you have more what's the most important thing about pre-gaming bruce I don't know. I don't pregame. <laughs> you asked the worst possible person for the answer to that question. Because I there don't is know. no I don't person think. you could have possibly asked who would have known less about this than me. I don't tailgate. I don't pregame. I don't go to the bars. I don't know anything about anything in this entire realm. So let me give you let me give you some uh, a little bit of truth here, Bruce. So the most important part of pregaming is never overindulging. So whether you're pre-gaming the bar and you're playing, you know, beer pong, flip cup, you're drinking, the worst thing you could do is get 
a little too tuned up before you go to the bar because then it's an early night. You're getting that taxi cab alone home, falling asleep on your couch, and then your friends, your roommates come back, and it's just a whole disaster, right? So the worst thing you could do for a pregame is overdrink before you drink, right? That's that 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 goes without saying. The same thing can be said about your food tailgate or your food pregame, right? Because the last thing you want to do is fill up on the apps before you get to the main course. Because if you've got the pulled pork, if you've got fresh Italian sausage or Polish sausage, you want one, maybe two of those things. You want to save room for the main course, whether it's the drinking main course, the evening, or your meal main course. So for me, there's something my grandmother makes that is unique to her. I've never seen anybody else make it before, but I could eat 500 of them and I will never get full. And I'll always have room to get to dinner. I'll always have room to start drinking a little bit of beer. And then, because you know, when you start to drink a little bit of beer, you don't know this, Bruce, but the common man knows this. When you drink beer, it's liquid bread. It fills you up. It makes you full and bloated. You don't want to eat. You don't want to drink more beer. She gets celery, big giant celery, right? You know, cuts them into, you know, little bite-sized pieces, you know, right around that big, right? Cream cheese and blue cheese mixed together, put on top. It it sounds super lame. It's kind of lame. But the reason I went with this is I know that I can eat literally 50 of them, which I do anytime I go to my grandmother's. The pre that's her pregame to Thanksgiving dinner. That's her pregame to Christmas dinner. That's her pregame for Notre Dame football games. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna eat 50 and I'm gonna have an entire full repertoire. Uh or I should say an entire ability to eat whatever meal I'm gonna have and eat it in its entirety. So for me, it's small, it's niche, it's mine, it's family passed down, like. I don't, I've never been anywhere else with the cream cheese, blue cheese over celery mix. It's just not something I've ever come across other than Graham's house. Once again, cream cheese rises up to show you its versatility. That's right. And Bruce continues to be right about the fact that the world is held together with cream cheese. It's not love. It's not human affection. Nope. It's cream ever living freaking cheese. Sweet love and cream cheese is the absolutely song. yes 100% or it should be anyway it should be for yeah. me the pre-gaming food i went with i went with for a very scientific reason i really okay. loved your philosophical concept thank you when it comes to pre-gaming it was more of a for, concept than a true you know item right i really liked it i liked yeah. it a lot i went with something very scientific i went with something Classic. that is going to lead you to eat more food okay what can you eat something of that in no way is the final thing you eat. There is nobody in the history of mankind who has sat down and said, I'm going to eat this thing and then nothing else. Salsa. Close. We're in the, we're in the, you're in, you're in the, you're in the family. No, but you dip chips in salsa and there's other things that you get in a bag that looks like chip bags and that's pretzels. Pretzels. Uh, yes. Nobody has ever sat down and said, I'm going to have some pretzels. And then that was it. They were done. They had a couple pretzels and then they never ate anything else for the rest of the day. That was it. That was done because the salt tricks your body into thinking right. that you're hungry when in reality, you're actually thirsty, but the brain confuses thirst and hunger all the time. 
And so what you do is you have these pretzels and you go, man, that was, I need a little something else now. I need a little something else. That is the ultimate pre-gaming food in the same way that we are currently in organized team activities mm-hmm. and you're getting little snippets. That's right. You're getting Matt Beauvais dropping a mm. little thing on your timeline right there with a little picture of Josh Allen throwing a deep bomb. You're getting reports and OTA observations from Joe Biscalia and Matt Perino. You're getting the little nuggets that are dropped. And it's like little pretzels and you're eating them and going, man, these pretzels <laughs> are making me thirsty, right? That they make is you the want way more. it is. They mm. make you want more. Yeah. They make you want more. It's the ultimate pre-gaming food because in no way is it ever going to be the main course. In a lot of cases, the stuff people have for pre-gaming could easily be transplanted out of the pre-gaming phase, put into the gaming phase, and really be fine. Yeah. But that's not what pre-gaming is about. Pre-gaming is about consuming a type of food that leads you to something else. It's opening the door to more. And that's what pretzels are. And that's the reason why, from a scientific standpoint, the ultimate pre-gaming food, pretzels. But anything salty, I would accept. Anything salty. I am with you on pretzels, but I would disagree that I've never gotten full on pretzels. You've gotten full on pretzels? How many pretzels did you eat? Pretzel rods. They're big. I've gotten close to knocking down a whole, like those cylinders, you know, Mm -hmm. like like they're at like, you know, Marshall's or TJ Maxx. You, you, you look at them and there's nothing you could do but buy them. And that is the that is the power that Marshalls and TJ Maxx has over ADHD, me, right? I, I, I see the pretzel or the, the best one, Bruce, the chocolate-covered pretzels. Nothing like a little chocolate with a little salt. I th- There's nothing quite like it. Bruce, it's funny. I think you did this on purpose, by the way. I think that you started the show you know, by going into sort of like what's your ultimate pregame food and then pregame OTAs pregame. Mm-hmm. And then you say, you know, OTA, if OTAs were a food, mm-hmm. I, I'm loving where you're going with this. Bruce. Dude, I'm, dude, I'm loving where it's you're almost, going. it's almost like I know what I'm doing a little, almost. well, well, almost let's not go that far, but almost like I know what I'm doing. And we're going to transition to that because the bills, as mentioned, are in organized team activities. We saw Josh Allen throw a pass in a Buffalo Bills helmet. We saw people catch passes in Buffalo Bills helmets. But if OTAs were a food, Nate, I'm going to go first on this one. Okay. And I'm going to tell you what kind of food they would be because I've got the answer. Let's go. Have you ever had Italian meatball buns? It's very specific, Bruce. Allow me to tell you what about an Italian meatball bun. Please do. It is exactly what you think it is. It is <laughs> a meatball that has been cooked inside a little bun. And they're small and they're handheld and you dip them in marinara sauce and you eat them. Why what do you on mean earth? inside of a bun? It's been cooked inside a little thing of pizza dough almost. So you take raw, raw beef, wrap it in raw dough, bake it. You cook it. Yep. Interesting. And a little egg wash on there. Oh, well, the egg wash is incredibly important. Dip it in the marinara and you're good. Why on earth, Bruce, would you pick an Italian meatball bun? Here's the reason why. One of the things I love about Italian food, and I've mentioned this about Taco Bell before, 
is that you can take the same darn group of ingredients and yep. rearrange them, and we will keep eating them. Stromboli, right. calzone, pizza. <laughs> it's all the same so thing, right? It's, so true. It's, it's dough, it's meat, it's cheese, it's sauce. You're just rearranging the whole thing, and you're eating it again. And the joy of this is we so keep true. eating all these recombobulations of the same ingredients. Retreads. Yeah, retreads. retreads. The same ingredients. And we love them because it doesn't matter how they're formulated. All that matters is they're the same. In the same way, all of the ingredients of real football are here. You got the meatball. You got the dough. Yeah, that's right. You got the sauce. All of the – now, it's not real football. But all of the necessary ingredients to trick you into thinking it's real football, all of them are there. You're like, well, I can see right there. It's a guy wearing a jersey with a number on it, and he's wearing a helmet, and he's throwing a ball, and someone's catching it, and they're celebrating. That's that's kind of like real football. All of the ingredients of real football are there, but you know it's not real football. You have an Italian meatball bun, and you go, hey, that's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed eating that, but it's not real football. I still want the next thing. You have it as an appetizer when you go to a nice restaurant. It's an appetizer. It's not a main course. So it formulates itself and looks and smells and even tastes like a main course, but that's not what it is. It's the same ingredients necessary to trick you into wanting more, into wanting the main course. Nobody's ever had the Italian meatball buns and goes, good, that's it, I'm good. You know what? Go ahead and cancel that pizza. I'm not interested anymore. That gigantic Neapolitan pizza that was coming my way, <laughs> right? The margarita, cancel yep. I'm good. I had the Italian meatball buns. I'm good. Nobody said that because well, it reminds you of the main course that's coming, but it's not the main course that's coming. So the problem is, Bruce, is when you have people like me who can't help themselves, especially with an appetizer, and especially one that might be covered in Parmesan, which I'm sure these have some level of like Parmesan dusting over the top, right? Like that's hard for me to stop. Like when there's good, fresh white bread on a table at an Italian restaurant, it's almost impossible for me to stop eating it. So let me, let me just spit something your way here. Charcuterie boards. The reason I'm going with a charcuterie board is you get a little bit of everything, right? You get to see the new look offense. You get to see a little bit of Jamison Crowder. You get to see what OJ Howard looks like in a Bills jersey. You get to see what Von Miller on the defensive side looks like. He's coaching up players, right? You get to see Boogie Basham in his new 55 jersey. You get a little bit of everything. You get some speck. You get some, you know, cheeses. You have some dried fruits, cranberries, right? You get some some nuts, maybe some uh, marish. Uh, what what are those uh, those almonds? They're like flat and shiny. What are those called? Do you know what I'm talking about, Bruce? I do. I cannot. The name escapes me. I got nothing. I'm sorry. Someone, someone's going to bring it up in the chat. That's what they're there for. That's that's what we have listeners for. They're supposed to tell us what we have. Uh, supposed what, to correct what us but, when we're wrong. But essentially, Bruce, what I'm saying is with the charcuterie board, you're not in no world are you filling up. Uh, you could eat a whole charcuterie board by yourself. The whole point of it is nothing you eat. You're supposed to combine a bunch of stuff together, but nothing you eat is going to fill you up. Nothing you eat is going to stop you from enjoying. Jordan almonds. It, it, what is it? Jordan almonds. I don't think that's right. Is that what it is? No. My wife just texted no. me. No, she said no, it might no. be Jordan almonds. Shiny flat. Are you googling almonds. shiny flat almonds? And Marcona almonds. Marcona almonds. Called. Okay. And well, yet, apparently I didn't. Google know Google knew exactly what I was talking about. Yes, I did Google shiny flat almonds. Google you knew what? exactly what it was. Live right here on the show, we're learning things together. 
It's exactly right. You know what? This is the great part. What a segue, learning things, right? This next, our, our, our guest for the evening, right, is, I, I, I would call him Bill's Twitter teacher, right? Like now he's got kids, so he's teaching his kids <laughs> things. But if you think about it, Bill's Twitter has been Eric's kids for like the better part of almost a decade now because he teaches us about, you know, what to watch for during games, what happened in the previous game. So if you think about it, you're sort of like the Bill's Twitter dad, Eric, if you think about it. Wow. That's a compliment in there. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, that's <laughs> quite the that's quite the segue from, you know, I actually, that's something new. Uh, flat, shiny almonds. That's a new one. Marcona. For me. Marcona yeah. almonds. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I was going, I was thinking you were going the macadamia route because I love, me, you know, macadamia nuts. But um, as well. yeah, that was quite the segue, man. Appreciate the compliment. Um, and uh, I'm excited to be on the show with you guys tonight. Eric, I want to jump in right away Love because it. I want to ask an overarching question before we get some of, to, some, some of the film rooms that you've been working on this offseason, some of the research you've been doing on, on the vets that you're hoping can make a next step next year, you know, Rousseau yeah. and Boogie Basham. I want to ask just a high-level question when it comes to Bill's film rooms. And you think a lot of the people that you focus on in the offseason, there are people that you're hoping you might see the next step from. You and I worked on a project for AJ Epinesa, for example, last right. year. Second-year players are a big topic of that. And this yes. year, obviously, Gregory Rousseau became a topic of that. Boogie Basham, you're working on one for uh, Dropping Tuesday, I think, right? On yep. Tuesday, Boogie Basham. So when you are deciding what players it is that you would like to focus on, knowing full well you can't focus on everybody, right? We just not enough time in the day. When you decide, okay, I want to focus on this player, this player, this player. Is it really as simple as players we want the next step from? Is it really as simple as rookies going into the second year? Or is there specific criteria that you go, okay, this is what Bill's Mafia wants to see. This is what they're hoping for. Let's give the people what they want. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, of course. There's a little nuance to everything we do at Cover One. Um, so, I mean, a lot of times with all the different shows on the network, um, and all the different writers and contributors, I mean, you get a lot of feedback from Bill's Mafia, you know. And uh, so it usually starts with there, you know, what are the trending topics? Uh, what does, you know, Bill's Mafia, what do they want to see? What do they want to hear? What, they, what do they want analyzed? So it usually starts there. But also, you know, we kind of look into, um, you know, the usage of guys like Rousseau or Basham and, and what in their rookie year. And then, you know, maybe they're, what they're going to be used in their second year because we saw certain things from those young players in their first year and we want them to take that next step. Was there anything in their film in that rookie campaign that showed that, Hey, he can add this to the arsenal um, versus, uh, you know, when he's rushing the passer, or maybe he can do this better against uh, the run, like different things that come up on film. Uh, we try to find if they're improving in those areas. And, you know, we did that collaboration on AJ Epinesa and how, um, you know, he was kind of up and down. And I, I think the, uh, Rousseau's and the Boogie Basham's had, you know, some of those same ups and downs uh, last season too. And, you know, we just want to see guys like Epinesa and even the two that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, you know, get to another level. And uh, AJ Epinesa, unfortunately, didn't hit that in my opinion. Uh, we still saw some of those flashes, don't get me wrong, but uh, we hope that guys like Basham and Rousseau with some of the traits that they have and how they're a little more athletic than AJ Epinesa is, that maybe they are able to take that next step and maybe the bills can use them in ways that they haven't really used edge players. And I mean, it's something you and I talked about Bruce is, you know, the bills don't typically get 
the Von Miller types when we're talking athleticism, mm-hmm. guys with bend. Uh, so, you know, we want to see these athletic defensive ends and edge rushers that the Brandon Bean and the Bills invested in. We want to see them, you know, add more to their arsenal, improve and start trending up more because as Sean McDermott said, those young guys need to play big roles. Now, follow up on that. As you're evaluating Russo, you're evaluating Basham, you're looking for the next step. How do you balance sharing the things that you say, hey, this guy did this thing really well. We could see more of this. Hey, we saw development. We saw different things in his game week 16 than we did week two. How do you balance that with the negatives? How do you balance going, hey, listen, this is the time of off hope springs eternal in the offseason, right? Everybody's zero and zero. Every rookie is going to take a gigantic step, right? That's just the way it is. Every rookie is going to get the huge step forward, but we all know that's not true. We just saw that from AJ Epinesa. It didn't take the step that we wanted him to. How do you balance that when you're showing stuff? Knowing so much of Bill's Mafia is going to be viewing this. I mean, you get hundreds and thousands of views on these things. Knowing that there's so many eyes coming to this, how do you balance showing the hope and showing the optimism and showing the things that you think, okay, this could lead to something with acknowledging that it's not always going to work. It's not always going to be sunshine, butterflies, and rainbows. Some people are not going to take the step. How do you balance that when you're creating this stuff? Uh, Details, context, right? Um, I try, when I do my breakdowns, they're usually long-winded. And uh, when I show graphics on these videos that, you know, in breakdowns, I show several different types of effects to uh, add context to the specific play and what that person's responsibility is within the play itself. Because, as you know, there's, uh, you know, other guys on the field with that uh, individual player, and uh, they're not just working together, but they're also trying to execute things uh, from the top down, from the coaching staff, their techniques, their schemes, assignments. Uh, so there's a lot of context that is left out when you watch broadcasts. So I try to, it's very minute, it's very detailed, and it's not for some people. Uh, it's still considered a, a niche in, uh, to many people, but um, I try to you know, again, just add that frame of reference. Hey, this is a young player. This is what he did good in college. This is where, you know, he can hang his hat at the NFL level, especially in year one. And this is where he needs to improve. But I'm not super harsh because I take into account that this is a young player. He's playing in a new scheme. He used to be the man in college, and now he is low on the totem pole, and he's got to earn and pay his dues, especially when you play for a regime like the Bills have. So, I mean, I'm not super overly critical on guys uh, because there's just so many variables to football, which is why we love it. Right guys. Like it's, Mm. it's entertainment to some and it's entertainment to most, I should say, but there's also so many things that are so complex about this game. And we kind of talked about it on Twitter the other day, guys, like run fits. Everyone thinks, Hey, there's the ball. It's running out wide. Go tackle the ball carrier. Right. It's not that easy. Everybody has a job. Everybody has a responsibility. So trying to paint that picture of, okay, this is his job within this play on this down and distance in this situation. Uh, This is what he did. This is what he should have done. And actually this is what he did in college or even these situations that have rose earlier in the year. And that's the thing. Football is fantastic. But Nate, as you know, as an offensive player, coordinators, coaches, they have these play diagrams. They have these play sheets and it's broken down by, scenarios it's broken down by situations it's first and second down and 10 which is your base concepts it's broken down by third and four to six yards it's broken down all these different situations are mapped out on a defensive coordinator offensive coordinator's play sheet 
So it's it, football is really just uh, uh, a bunch of situations and scenarios and how guys react to it. And in those situations and those down and distances and, you know, the, in the red zone, those specific categories, you're going to get attacked in certain ways. You're going to have tendencies and coverages and, you know, different uh, defensive fronts and how you present them and how you react to them. And, and if, you know, you always hear it's a, it's a copycat league. Well, that's because, you know, you have certain tendencies versus certain formations and down the distances and the red zone and open field where you're going to get presented with the same situation. And did you learn from your mistake prior earlier in the year? Uh, and that's where you see some of these rookies start to grow. And Rousseau was one of them. Cover one's Eric Turner joining us here on the Genesee Brewing Company hotline. Our guest hotline, of course, brought to you by Genesee Brewing Company. Eric, I wanted to, um, before we start to dive into any specific player, I, I wanted to ask you and talk to you a little bit about diversity, um, in, in particular on this defensive line, um, because, you know, this is a defensive line last year by the numbers. Now, the sack numbers did not really bear out that this was a top 15, top 10 unit, but overall right. and pressures um, and overall effectiveness and being able to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly, this was a very effective group. Right. Well, throw it out, Eric, because, <laughs> you know, Brandon Bean essentially said, yeah, we've got Ed Oliver. He's an anchor. He's a, he's a, you know, cornerstone piece to this defensive line. We've got a first and second round pick from last year. We still got AJ Epinesa here. Otherwise everyone else is gone. And I'm wondering now, when you look at last year's group to this year's group on the defensive line, trying to project it out, how much diversity, how much variation is Leslie Frazier going to be able to play with? And is this a move in your opinion? Of course, this is an opinion. We won't know until the games are played that allows them to be less reliant on trying to bring an extra blitzer, right? To bring that fifth, that sixth guy and really try to pin their ears back get after the quarterback with four and play coverage on the back end. Yeah. And I mean, let's, let's start off by saying the bills defense was really good overall last year. And when you whittle it down to their pressure rates, they were ranked third, according to sports info solutions uh, with a 47.2 pressure percentage rate. Um, so if we were talking about, you know, the different pieces they added, let's, let's name him Von Miller that he does change things. You know, he can rush from both sides which the Bills really haven't had all that much. Jerry Hughes did it a little bit over the years, but he's he's been more effective on one side than the other. Um, but having a Von Miller, that changes everything. It changes pass protections. It changes game plans, right, guys? So where he is on the field is the first thing the quarterback is going to identify along with the safeties, of course. That's one of the main things on a quarterback checklist. So identifying where Von Miller is is going to be a big thing for offenses and protections and run blocking. So, yes, it's going to change some things and what they can do because now Leslie Frazier has a chess piece, right? Uh, and he he can move him all over the place and dictate things a little more than he has in the last few years. Um, but the Bills were pretty good, and Aaron Quinn talked about this today on Twitter. They were pretty good when it came to adjusted sack rate, courtesy of Football Outsiders. They were, I think, seventh overall. But the thing was, it's not that they were bad, but it was in those money situations, right? We always talk about – uh, third down situation, fourth down situations where the Bills just needed to bring the quarterback down and they really couldn't. You know, they were just outside the top 10 in sack percentage uh, across all downs uh, last year. But when we talk about third and fourth down, guys, they dropped sacks percentage wise. They dropped down to, I think it was like 13th or something like that. Like, so I want to see them in those money downs. And that's why you go get a Von Miller, right? First of all, 
changing that scheme a little bit and, and dictating on defense a little more, but also being able to, uh, you know, bring the quarterback down on those money downs. And that's really what uh, football is all about is it, those money situations, those situations that you, you practice all week for, and you scheme all week for in those third down calls. Like you have specific segments for that. You want Von Miller to close out drives and close out games. And you saw him do it in the playoffs last year. I want to specifically talk about the comparing and contrasting of Gregory Russo and Boogie Basham because back-to-back picks last year, first and second round, very different athletes, yeah. very different athletes, very different types. And you have done now the piece on Russo. You're working on the piece on Basham. It drops on Tuesday. You got a chance to watch him literally back-to-back. You surely have seen the comparisons, the differences, the similarities, what you are excited about with each of them, what you might be concerned about with each of them. As you go through Russo and Basham, what do you draw as the most significant difference that affects the trajectory of each of those players going into year two? Well, I mean, Rousseau, it's pretty obvious. He's a, he's a big guy, and it starts with his length, right? And um, I thought when I compared him coming out of college, I thought he'd be uh, a weapon that he they could use across the defensive line, right? You know, he got a lot of his sacks from interior defensive line positions, so I was excited about the versatility, as Nate just talked about, coming in. But he primarily played left defensive end the entire year, and they kept him there. But that length. It was really the foundation for his game, and it's really going to set up his 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 you know moves coming this year, his pass rush moves, because he's got that power move, he's got that long arm, he's got the thirty four and three eighth you know arm length to really be the foundation of his game. And I mean, talk about learning from Von Miller. Von Miller's got one of the best you know long arms, stab chops, and then that ghost stab uh, moves. So he understands how to build on the long arm and those power moves. Uh, but obviously he's a little more bendier than Rousseau was. So I, I think uh, one thing that did surprise me with Rousseau is his run stopping ability. He was number three overall according to pro football focus when it comes to stopping the run, their, you know, run stop percentage. He was, he had 35 run stops last year. He had a 13.2 run stop percentage that led the league among all defensive ends. Like I didn't expect that from him coming out of college. Now, wow. of course he had that one year, at, uh, at Miami where he just blew up and a lot of people were just talking about those, you know, 15 and a half sacks. Yeah. What fell by the wayside was his run D and uh, he had 21 run stops uh, his last year at Miami. But, you know, you look at, they're like, okay, you know, he had 21, he had 19 uh, 40 overall, but I did not expect for his game to be a playmaker in the run game as a run defender. He just shut down runs to his side and he uses length. So when you're talking year one, year two, I, I expect that to continue because he's obviously didn't lose that length. And he actually got a little stronger, added a couple pounds, uh, as he said the other day. Um, but I'm excited to see the jump in his pass rush arsenal because really he can win first contact. We always talk about first contact, right, guys? He's got that length. So he's always yep. he can always do that. One thing he did early in the season that he was wasn't he didn't do in the, the second half of the season was he was winning the first contact, but he was so worried about winning it early in the year that he wasn't letting the game come to him. He wasn't letting the offensive tackle make a move first. So he's always trying to engage, right? And so he was just going to power moves and he really didn't have any counters, as he admitted. But later in the year, he he didn't always try to win first contact. He said, okay, let me see what this tackle is going to do. 
And then he would use his length and he would arm lift or he'd control the wrist. And so I, I think seeing that transition and how he adds the counters and how he adds that second and third move, because we didn't really see it in year one, is for me, Rousseau-wise, is the most exciting. Basham's a little different. Basham, shorter arms. He doesn't win with his length. He wins with his motor, right, and his hustle. And, and I think that um, that's another thing. Like, that's not going to go away. That's not something right. that – um, you know, he, he's just going to lose. I think that's part of his game. I wanted to, Eric, stay on the defensive side of the ball, but I know yeah. you did a lot of work on the Bills' third-round pick, um, Terrell Bernard. And and I kind of want, for those who maybe didn't watch the film breakdown that are listening here, what are some of the things that stood out to you in his film at Baylor? And how do you project what he becomes in this Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott defense? Because, I, the Shaq Thompson yeah. uh, sort of idea has been rolling in my head, but I want to say that for the last couple of years that I, I think you, you think that Matt Milano's that guy, but like, yeah. where do you project this? And is there more to this draft pick than maybe meets the eye? Yeah, that one kind of baffled me, to be honest, when we we're there, we we're just like, really third round. Like I know Sean McDermott is boys with David Randa. But to take that linebacker in the third round when you're in nickel prime, you know, most of the time and you have your two linebackers, you know, at least for this year together. Um, so that one kind of baffled me. But when I watched his film, it's it's fun. Like, it, it's just really fun because he's always around the ball. A la Matt Milano coming out of B.C. He was just all over the place, whether he, I call him a triple threat because he can rush a passer from depth as a linebacker. He can cover. He's really good at pattern matching, which not many linebackers in college are asked to do that. But in that complex defense and that detail-oriented defense under Ron Roberts and David Randa at Baylor, he did it quite easily, and he's really good at it. I mean, I'm talking pattern matching, you know, three different uh, – to the trip side of the formation. He's just processing. You can see him go through his checklist. Um, so he can, you can, you know, execute, again, as a rusher in coverage and then stop the run. He's just – he is undersized. You know, Alash, you know, Shaq Thompson coming out, uh, Matt Milano coming out, but he is so good at avoiding blocks, guys, right? And and a lot of people are still caught in the old mentality that you gotta be a stack and shed linebacker. You know, no, you know, with with how offenses are running nowadays and how you're in a light box, like there are linebackers win in different ways, just like any other position, just like wide receivers. Hey, some guys win with you know catch radius, some guys are jump ball guys, some guys win with their separation ability. There are different ways to win as a linebacker, and Bernard wins by eluding blocks and winning from the shoulders up. Like he reads blocks so well, and I'm I'm talking like he's sticking to his keys, his two and three man keys in front of him. He understands what those blocks look like when there's a deuce block coming on a power run versus when uh, a combination block is coming on an inside zone run. He knows the difference and where the ball is supposed to enter, and he can get a, you know stay ahead of the block and then make the tackle on uh, running backs in the backfield. So he's a triple threat where they use him. I mean, I don't know. I went back and looked at Shaq Thompson's numbers coming out of Washington, his first season in Carolina, and he played a, you know, a couple hundred snaps. I think it was under 300 snaps. Um, and yes, he had like 120, 100 and something like that, that were in the slot when they were in their base defense or their Buffalo nickel. So maybe Bernard's that guy, you know, he's got 31 inch arms. So he's got kind of short arms. Um, so, Maybe he is that guy. I don't know. But at the very least, he's great depth to, you know, if if an injury happens to Milano. Well, guess what? He can fill in there. 
Uh, if an injury happens to Edmonds, I think, you know, they can either throw Bernard in there or just slide Milano over, have Bernard uh, step in there. Um, I think he can play that AJ Klein role. And that's something that's pretty important. And we're not just talking, you know, special teams, which obviously AJ Klein was on that, but we're talking about almost 500 snaps at linebacker last year. Um, and so, I mean, there's, there's snaps there to be had for the linebacker three. Uh, he's going to have to compete, but there's opp opportunities for linebacker three in this defense. Last thing I want to ask about, and then we'll get you out of here, is that the Von Miller effect as far as teaching goes. You hinted at it earlier in the response, and there's a very strange dynamic when it comes to Von Miller and teaching because on one hand, this is a guy who literally runs the Von Miller pass rushing clinic. Yeah. Like he runs the academy. Like it's, it, I, I made a joke on WGR the other day. It's a little bit like having Stephen Hawking as an actual like one-on-one -on -one tutor for you when it comes to, you know, quantum theory. But yeah. there are by, certain that, things by that Von Miller- By the way, that's a, classic, that's a classic Bruce, Bruceism right there, by the way. Yes, real. it's a strong Bruceism as far as yes. it goes. But I have a feeling that one's going to come up again at some point later on this year. But there, at the same time, there's also certain things Von Miller does that you can't teach. Right. And so there are certain things that he does that you could look at and go, hey, I think I can see that. Like, I can see that translating to the young Bills pass rushers that you've got, Russo and Basham specifically. And there's other things that you see John Miller go and you go, listen, there's just only a few humans on planet who can do that. And so we're not going to – I'm not going to be expecting Gregory Russo or Boogie Basham to do that. So when you look at Von Miller's game and you look at that combined with – the spots that you imagine Rousseau and Basham to be at, what do you think is translatable? If you're there with a boom microphone and you're standing over top of Von Miller as he's standing there teaching, demotioning, pantomiming, going, okay, pan placement here, hand placement here with Rousseau and Basham, what do you think is translatable? Uh, I, I'll say two things. Uh, obviously, the film study and, and reading your opponent. You know, When they get up to the line of scrimmage, you know, looking at their stance, how much pressure they're putting on that inside post leg, how much pressure they're putting on their knuckles, little things like that that we always talk about think and think are cliches, but these are actual things that, you know, players try to use and pick up, whether it's on film or on the field, you know, in a drive. But my main thing I've been pounding this entire offseason is anticipating the snap. Because as I said, the Bills pass rushers haven't, they're not the type of guys that have this incredible get off and that can attack the outside hip of, offensive tackles and win the outside hip, you know, consistently. So they have to do every little thing to get them, you know, an advantage in that area. And I think learning to anticipate the snap, uh, I think is something that I, you've seen videos of Von Miller teaching guys at a summit, but also that he can teach these guys. And I think it's really important for guys like Boogie Basham and Rousseau who can't really attack the outside hip and win consistently around that corner. If they can just, you know, get off the snap a lot quicker because if you want, go back and watch the film, guys, like the quarterback is in shotgun and he's getting in the ball in his hands before a first step is taken by a defensive lineman. And this isn't just Basham or Rousseau. The entire defensive line was, they weren't good at it, aside from Hughes. Hughes could do it pretty well. But the entire defensive line has to get better in that area. And I think Von Miller can help them find those little, you know, those little picadillos that, that offensive linemen will throw at you and they don't even know it. And in the quarterback too, because we saw Von Miller do it to Brady. Like he anticipated, you know, him kind of hunching like that and he was getting off the ball. So little things like that. I think that's what it'll come down to. And it'll help guys that don't really win around the edge that don't really win the get off 
when we're talking to getting out of the blocks. And I think that's uh, that's going to be huge for uh, the second year pass rushers. Awesome. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time, yeah, man. I know you joked about it. Uh, Greg joked about it in the comments section. You're up way past your bedtime. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you being here. You, uh, why don't you tell yeah. everybody where they can find you, what cover one's up to, where they can find your work. And uh, again, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you out of here with a plug. Yeah. I mean, you can find us on all social media platforms at cover one. Um, we have several podcasts uh, throughout the week on our network. I mean, every day, basically we have a podcast for you sometimes two. Um, we have, you know, commentary type podcasts. We have film rooms. So um, I do the film room with Anthony and, and Kendall every Tuesday. We'll be doing Boogie Basham, a really in-depth breakdown on him um, this this Tuesday night at seven o'clock. But we appreciate everyone. Uh, I mean, a lot of the people that watch your guys show and listen to your show, obviously, uh, come to us as well. And um, it's nice to have, you know, this type of content for uh, Bill's Mafia, and there's enough to go around, man. I appreciate That's you guys great. having me on to uh, talk football on Friday. And listen, once uh, <clears throat> once my moving situation is over here uh, <laughs> and I get settled back down into our new spot, we will uh, we'll have to do an old uh, an old time sake uh, yeah, dust film off, breakdown, uh, dust Absolutely. off the the film room, and I'm 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 down for it for sure, man. Absolutely. Again, thanks guys for having me on. Appreciate you, boss. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That was Eric Turner from Cover One on the Genesee Brewing Company hotline. A reminder that today's show and every show of Food for Thought is brought to you by Genesee Brewing. That call was brought to you by Genesee Brewing. It, Look it for was. pineapple kolsch in stores and at bars and restaurants today. Genesee beer brewed for generations. Nate, you owe me lobster, and I got to get some pineapple kolsch because you lost yes. the Zach Moss so when, single cherry bed. So we, we, uh, we got to make that happen. We can absolutely make that happen. You'll have to come check out the new place. We'll, we'll have you, you and Miss Nolan. We'll. uh 
Oh, geez, what movie was it? Uh, I, I'm forgetting the, the the name of the movie, but we'll we'll have lobster brought to the house, or oh, I'll just I'll have okay. I'll have my girlfriend make us lobster because she's she's skilled in that way. I'm good with that. I'm fine with that. That's that, that's a win, absolutely. We are going to move on because we want to get to something else here. We want to get yes. to the food simile for today. Yes, we do. And we might not get to winners and losers because we went right out. That's time. okay. So we're going to do the food simile and the food simile for today is the Bills' current roster questions make me feel like. Now, you might think this is a strange, strange question because you're like, goodness gracious, goodness gracious. I mean, mm. the Bills are one of the complete, complete, most complete teams in the entire league. What do you mean, questions? Well, that's exactly the point. That's exactly what I want to get to. However big or however little you may feel like the Bills' current roster questions are, they make you feel like what? Nate? They make me feel, Bruce, like I'm just incredibly full. There are no questions for me, really, at this point. Uh, maybe there's a question, Bruce, at the backup outside receiver spot. But uh, short of that, I really have no questions. I am full. I am ready for the season. Bruce, what it reminds me of is being incredibly full. You're at your favorite restaurant. And you know, you're the 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 waiter's been walking around. He's been hawking you. You've been avoiding eye contact with the waiter because you know he's coming over with that dessert menu. And that dessert menu is oh is is mandatory minicamp. That dessert menu is preseason and training camp. That dessert menu is the regular season. And all you want to do is you want to just settle. You just want to enjoy the moment right now. You want to. You want to sit in all of your disgust. You're sweating a little bit, right? Maybe you did the thing where you you unbuttoned the 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 one button on your because you're you're a little bloated right now. But you know what you're gonna do, Bruce? You're gonna you're gonna make a dad joke. That's what you're gonna do because that's what I do. The mm. the guy comes over, right? The, the waiter comes over. He puts down. Ah, could I interest any of you guys in uh, in in dessert? Ha ha. Yeah, you, you, you bet you. <laughs> I bet you looked over here and you you probably thought that this guy could use a little dessert, right? Yeah, like embarrass our your girl, your wife, my girlfriend. Those are the sorts of things that we do, Bruce. So for me, this is like that moment where you know you're going to eat the dessert, but you don't want to admit to yourself or to your significant other that you're going to eat the dessert. You want to live in the now. The bills have no questions. I am full, but I'll eat some more. That's a good one. I like Thank that you. one. I went extremely, extremely detailed with this. Really? As I, I would normally have never, do. I never would have. That, that does not, as the kids would say, that doesn't track. The Bills' current roster questions make me feel like I am picking the music on the radio, in the car, on the way home from a great meal with my wife. Now, when you decide that you want to go out to dinner with your wife, or you want to go out to breakfast. My wife and I go out to breakfast together every single week. And when we're on the way there, we're talking about it. We're thinking about it. We're talking about it tonight. Like when I'm done with this show, I am going to walk to the other side of the house and I'm going to get into the bedroom and I am going to make sure that I'm ready for bed. And I'm going to sit down and I'll talk to my wife and we're going to discuss breakfast. That's what we're going to do because we <laughs> like doing that on a Friday night. You like to talk about the next meal you're going to eat? Absolutely. Me the too. best That's, time to talk about the next that. meal is right after the last meal. That's right, because it's recency bias, right? Absolutely. Because here's the thing, Bruce. You tend to 
and and I do this more times than not, but right, there's always a level of I had a great meal, but it was missing something, right? And mm-hmm. when that meal misses something, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing, right, Bruce? Like maybe you had such a savory meal that all you're thinking about is, man, I can't wait to get my hands on something sweet. Ooh, pancakes, morning, we're making pancakes. A lot of you, the the meal you just consumed helped make the decision on the very next meal you'll have. So I'm picking the music. Why? Because I went through the beginning. Mm-hmm. I went through the middle. We had the meal. I went through the end. It was great. But the date isn't over yet. The, but the vast majority of the date went so well that this is the most minor thing. Picking music on the way home from the meal, I mean, let's be honest, that's the most minor possible detail. But it still matters. It still matters because it's part of the date. It's part of the entire experience. For a lot of people, the date starts when you walk out your front door and ends when you walk in your front door. And everything that happens during that time is part of the date. So we went on the date. We ate the meal. There was great conversation because my wife and I have been married for a very long time. We still haven't run out of things to talk about. And when we get in the car and we're on the way there and we're so close, we still need to make sure that the music choice is reasonable. Now, it's an extremely minor detail. It's not going to make or break the date, right? It's not significant enough. There's nothing you're really concerned about. It's not like if I go to turn on jazz and instead I get, uh, let's go sock hop music. I get something tangentially related, right? Something in the general era. I get sock hop instead of jazz. It's not going to ruin the date. It might take a little bit of the shine off of it, but it's minor. It's really minor. Bruce, I... What part of the reasons, uh, and and not not to give away too much to the FBI or anything, but you are older than me. You are married. Uh, the, this is information that I think is out in the ether. So I'm I'm not giving away to too many government secrets here or anything. But Bruce, part of what makes us a, a unique pairing here is your experience, right? I'm you know I live with my girlfriend, and I, I I've got to ask does this does this change? Upon becoming married and, you know, doing your thing and becoming grown adults, um, do you, when you drive, do you not pick the music? I mean, when I drive, I'm picking the music. She drives. I don't touch her radio. That's sacrilegious. I just don't, I don't touch it. We've got very different music tastes. So tell, tell me in the, in the, in the Nolan household. Is there like a, is there some sort of unspoken agreement that like, Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, you on the ride there, I pick the music on the ride home. She picks it. Like, what's that, what's, what's that look like in, in, you know, like in, in the, in the Nolan household, the person who gets their choice is the person who needs it the most in that moment. That's the rule. Hmm. So how do you determine that? Well, because she knows how my day was and I know how her day, her day was. And each of us knows if it's a tie, I'll just defer. I'll just defer to her. But there are moments where she goes, you know what? Bruce had a tough day. Hmm. I may want to listen. Mrs. Nolan might think, be thinking to herself, I want to listen to late 90s, early 2000s boy bands. That's what I want to listen to. 
But Bruce, me and Miss Nolan have a similar taste in music. Bruce wants to listen to 1920s jazz. I was going to say Bruce Goodman, but yes, right. Bruce wants Benny Goodman, right? That's what Bruce wants. So we might be driving along, right? We just left the house, and she'll pull up her phone, and she'll press it, and she'll press it in, and all of a sudden, I hear a clarinet come over, and it's Benny Goodman doing his thing. I'll she just knows, and she'll smile, and I'll smile. And we just know it's because she knew I needed it in that moment. Hmm. It's whoever needs it the most in that moment. That's who gets to pick the music. And that we just know. We just know. We've been married a long time. We've been together a really long time. We're intuitive. We've spent 24. We At one point, at one point, this is, here we go. This is FBI. Ready? At one point, we worked in close proximity to each other, she and I. At one point. And we spent... 24 hours a day together, seven days a week for months. And no problem. No issues. And she didn't get rid of each other. Nope. Interesting. It was completely fine. And so when you know somebody that well, it's just a whoever needs it the most in that moment, that's who gets the music. Interesting. I, I look forward to this moment in my relationship where uh there there's there's a little bit of give and take i myself like i said i i really do not give up control of the radio uh in my vehicle it's just it's but i i offer the same respect in return it's not like i expect to sit in her vehicle and start picking and and choosing music i just i don't even touch it you know it's just i think it's more of an unspoken rule no i get it i get entirely and much like this unspoken rule the unspoken rule of picking the radio on the way back, picking the the music on the way back is a little bit like trying to nitpick this Buffalo Bills roster. Yes, I can find it. I can find stuff, but it's so minor, all things considered, that I'm really looking for it. And even if it doesn't go the way I want it to, it's not going to ruin the date. And so that's my food simile for the way that the Bills' current roster questions make me feel. And we have a mailbag to get to before we go. Yes, yes, we do. Before we leave. I got an email from Brandon, and Brandon said, you know, last week's Food for Thought reminded me of the one rule I have for food I don't like. If I am offered food I do not like, but I have not had it in one calendar year, I have to try it. Oh, It does not matter how many times I've tried it. If someone offers it to me and I haven't had it in a calendar year, I absolutely have to eat it. No exceptions. It's why I eat shrimp every year, despite not liking seafood. This also works for foods I've never tried before, he says, which resulted in a weekend in New Orleans where I ate a ton of stuff I didn't like. The seafood and the alligator were almost offset by the beignets. (laughs) Tastes change over the years. And just because you don't like something doesn't mean you'll never like it. After years of back and forth, my wife now likes green beans and I eat asparagus. Both represent big changes for each of us. Just because you don't like it today doesn't mean you'll never like it. Be open to new experiences, even if they're seafood. Regards, Brandon. Brandon, this is an absolutely revolutionary, monumental moment in human culture. Not only do I think this is a great take, I think that we would all be better off as a society if we took this stance on a lot more than just food. Mm. Like music and a movie or a TV show, all that stuff, all that stuff. So for me, for me, 
This is an unbelievable take. I don't know how you feel about this. So I've got, well, first of all, I feel like I have a lot of questions, but it's, it's interesting that, listen, I love the concept for trying new foods. Um, I tend to believe, so it kind of depends who I'm around. Um, my girlfriend gives me crap for this all the time. Cause, and, um, I'm not sure why that was going over my head. Sorry. Uh, there, there was some sound in my ear. I, I, it was, it was very distracting. Sorry, Bruce. Um, my girlfriend gives me crap for this all the time. She wants me to try food and I tend to be more conservative and stick to the things that I like when I'm with my girlfriend out to eat or that's kind of why I like tasting menus. Um, because I almost feel, especially if it's a tasting menu at a restaurant that I really like uh, with a chef that I know personally, I feel obligated to say, listen, this is not something that I have ever tried before or would ever try by myself out on a limb, but out of respect and knowing that I think you're a fantastic cook, I'm going to try this. And that's how I tried octopus for the first time. Um, and I've had it twice since. Um, and for me, I've told you this, Bruce, like calamari, octopus, tentacle things with multiple legs and the mm. texture, the rubberiness, I still will not really go after it. To me, I've actually never had, um, I've never had calamari ever. Uh, the reason that I've never had calamari is not because of what it looks like, not because of the texture, the smell to me is very off-putting. It is very fishy smelling. Um, and that is just a very off-putting thing for me. So I like Brandon's thought process a lot because what it does is it opens up you to have like something that you don't like made in a way that maybe you might like it or might be open to it, to trying it again, or might be like, and I'm trying to think of something that, that maybe for a long time I never liked. Um, and I came around on it because I ate it a couple more times. Um, do you have anything in the top of your head? I'm trying to think if I've got any, like, like real one eighties, like, wh like what's a food I did a real one eighty on. I used to not be able to process mustard of any type. Now, the only mustard that I don't really care for is straight yellow mustard. But honey mustard, spicy brown okay. mustard, all these types of mustard, I'm good with. But it used to be mustard of any type I was completely out of. And the reason is I'm not a vinegar guy. Ah, okay. vinegar is vinegar I struggle with. And yellow mustard is the most vinegary vinegar. yeah. of all of the things. And so my wife likes vinegar on her French fries, malt vinegar yeah, on her French fries. I Hell can't yeah, get behind one. it. I just can't. The smell is too much. I just can't get behind it. So for me, it used to be it kind of branched into all oh of the God. mustard family. But now it's just yellow mustard. But you have got another example. I do. Um, and um, zucchini. Um, I only like it one way. But it took me until I had zucchini on a meat zucchini onion meat zucchini onion what is kebab it kebab thank you um thank you uh so for me it took me trying zucchini that was over an open fire on a grill to say oh this is not so bad after all i like this because like some people will make zucchini noodles and i'm like eh you know just just give me the plain noodles i'll be good zucchini boats also, I, I found myself like, okay, this is too bad. We've put meat inside zucchini. 
I can live with this. Um, yeah, so I would say that I've really kind of turned turned the tides on zucchini because I was never, ever a fan. I just thought that no matter what you did, whenever you cooked it, it always became so mushy and like the texture. I just was never about it. And it doesn't really have a lot of flavor. So when you put it on the grill, you get that nice char to it. It does have, I think, have some redeeming values that, you know, I guess I didn't really... So Brandon has really made me think about this, about every year allowing myself to try something that I know I don't like with the idea that, hey, maybe it'll be prepared a different way this time and I'll like it. I I think it's a pretty revolutionary idea Brandon came across. I'm glad he emailed us. Listen, by the way, if you've got thoughts on the show that you'd like us to discuss, please shoot Bruce an email. We love getting emails. We love talking um, with, you know, having these kind of ideas pop up because Bruce does not tell me what the email is before the show. So typically, you know, we, we hop on about 15, 20 minutes before the show, you know, we chit chat, we talk about how each other's week went and like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm going to do this. You say this, Oh, you know what, Bruce, I'm really struggling with this last one. I need some, I need some, some, some motivation, I need some help, but he never reveals mm-hmm. any email that he gets before the show. So I'm completely blind to it. And I didn't get to prepare for this. And I thought this was probably one of the best emails we've got. So please, if you're a, a regular listener, whether you listen in podcast form and audio only, you watch us on YouTube, you watch us on whatever, uh, feel free, shoot Bruce an email. I love doing them because we get to end our show with me getting a kind of random thought or question or blurb and, and getting to react in real time. I love it. I am Bruce Nolan at gmail.com. That's the It's as easy as it gets. I am Bruce Nolan at gmail.com. Uh, I have one last thing before we go. Shoot. Because we're, we're behind. And that's Vlad put a note in our comment section says i'm notating i'm notating right now <laughs> that worked with wife together so we know it's an office and not a mechanic shop now i want you to know vlad that i got a text from mrs nolan about you in the middle of the show and she says whoa 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 vlad how do you know i don't know my way around a car like vin diesel so now my wife i don't know if i've told you this or not my wife big fast and furious fan she's a big fan of the Fast and the Furious movies. And so when she saw Vlad's comment, she was like, what do you mean? What, 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 what do you mean it's not a mechanic? I could be a mechanic. She says she could be Letty or Vin Diesel, and I could be Letty, I guess, technically, from the Fast and the Furious movies, which, of course, the next one will involve them going back in time because that's that's where we're going as a trajectory of the Fast and the Furious movies. If you haven't seen any of the recent ones, they just get progressively weirder and weirder and weirder until eventually... Before you, before you know it, it's basically going to be Avengers Endgame, right? Thanos is going to come in. It's going to be a whole thing. But, well, that was a good time. I and Listen, you know, I am a big fan of Eric's. I've known Eric for a very long time. He's a fantastic guest. He's very knowledgeable. Make sure you uh, follow him at Eric Turner, Eric J. Turner on Twitter. Uh, and, of course, Cover One. Uh, he does some of the most unique. He, he mentioned it's niche. Um I love everything that Eric has, has done. And uh, you should definitely, if you don't follow him, if you don't follow the cover one channel, please do. Uh, they're, they're great guys. Um, and they put out fantastic content. Now, this is really important. I'm okay. not going to be here next week. That's right. I am not going to be here next week because I have a business related endeavor. I must take care of. On I will evening. be recording live for the very first time in my new man cave. So that will be exciting. You'll That'll miss that. But that's exciting. okay. I will miss that, but maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be in on the road or something and I'll be able to, to catch it. Sure. If not, 
I owe you a couple, Bruce. It's fine. Take, and take also, day, my friend. Also, because of Vlad's discussion, I think that I really feel like my wife needs to get a YouTube account and be in the comments section. I think I agree. I so she can speak she, for herself because she texts you and you have to be her proxy. I think right. we need a Miss Nolan account. I think more people would section. show up for this show if they knew Mrs. Nolan was going to be in the comments. I think and I would the only way you can get a direct line to Mrs. Nolan is by showing up for food for thought. Right? I think that makes sense. People would do that. They would do it a lot more if they could see how attractive she was. Then they definitely want to spend more time with her. But yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, well then, but then they would start to decide that they actually like Miss Nolan more than you. Well, I think they already Which like is, Mrs. Nolan more than yeah, me. Yeah, that's that's probably right. Like that 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 tracks with everything that I know about my <laughs> my fan base. I literally had one person meme me when I had Mrs. Nolan on earlier this offseason, and the next episode I didn't have her on. Like they sent me a meme, and the meme was their massive disappointment that Mrs. <laughs> Nolan wasn't on this show. And I was like, "Well, that's it. I I do one episode, oh, two episodes funny. a year with Mrs. Nolan. Now everyone's like, um, co-host, please.' So also, I'd like to bring this up. Um, it's very possible and very likely that we should have Miss Nolan on the show one of these days as our guest. We, re- we really should have Mrs. Nolan on the show as a guest. Absolutely. I'm also, Bruce, I wanted to mention this to you, and this is our final parting thought. I know, and I've listened to, uh, you know, you put together an episode for with, that, that, it, that features a musical. And I, um, I might like to step out of my comfort zone and, and, and maybe we do a food for thought musical. I don't know. Really? You would be interested. I think I'd be very interested. Well, I have, hist- I have operated under the assumption this entire time that that was a one-off and it was never going to get any better than that but i, I think mean, if, if you I, had a doo-wop type situation i kind of feel like maybe I throw kinda, a harmonica in there i don't know i'm spitballing spitballing live at 10 o'clock on a friday night <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we did it not the spitballing i mean we did no, that too but no, we, we did, did the entire well. show thanks again to our guest eric turner from cover one yes. thanks to nate geary i hope you enjoyed it I hope this was fun for you. I hope you felt we had good energy. We talked about some fun stuff. I hope this made you smile. I hope it's a good way to kick off your long Memorial long. Day weekend. Right. And I hope you didn't leave hungry. <laughs>